Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel? And I want to talk to you briefly this morning about the anointing of God and how much we need the anointing. It's, it's a fact that without the anointing, you can't even get saved. It takes the Spirit of God, the anointing of God, to draw you to a place of salvation. And then it takes the anointing of the Lord to carry you beyond salvation to the baptism and then only anything that you're going to do for God. So turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 10 and we're going to read verses 1 through 16 together and I'm going to have them hopefully on the, we can get them on the overhead. Uh, just beginning with verse number 1 in your hearing and, and I may skip around a little bit in here and then I want us to go over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And this is talking about Saul, and we, most of us only know Saul as a man that messed up and a man that disobeyed God, but there was a time in the life of King Saul that he was a great man for the Lord God. Samuel, the Bible says, Samuel took the vial of oil and it poured it upon the head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to become captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today... Thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher, which is in the border of Benjamin. And they'll say unto thee, The asses which thou seeketh are found. And lo, thy father hath left the care of these asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then thou shalt go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabar. And there you will meet three men going up, to the house of God, which is in Bethel, one carrying three kids and another carrying three loaves of bread and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. And after that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high praise with a sorcery, a tabret, a pipe, and a harp, and before them they shall prophesy. And then verse number 6 said, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them. And if you want to underscore something, the anointing of God says that thou shalt become or turned into another man. And let it be that when these signs are coming to thee, that thou shalt do as occasion shall serve thee, for the Lord is with thee. Thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee, and will offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days thou shalt tarry until I come unto thee and show thee what things thou shalt do. And it was that when he had turned his back to go to Samuel. God gave him another heart. Do you see that? Here he is now. He's got another heart. And all those things or signs shall come to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came on him, talking about King Saul. And he prophesied among them. And it came to pass that when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is coming to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the, and, and one of the same place 
answered and said, But who is the father's? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul among the prophets? Verse number 12, And one of the same place. No, I just read that. In verse 13, It's hard to see this little print. And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. And Saul's uncle, now here's a key. That we're, here's the thing we're going to talk about today. And his uncle said unto his servant, Whither went ye? And he said, To seek the asses. And when we saw that they were nowhere, we came to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. And here it is in verse number 16. And Saul said to his uncle, He plainly told us that the asses were found, but of the matter of the kingdom whereof Saul, Samuel spake, he told him not. Can we pray? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done thus far. We know that you are among your people. We know, Father, that every time your people come together, where two or three gather, you said you would be there. And so, Lord, we thank you for being among your people today. And I ask you, Father, in the name of your Son, that you would anoint the lips of clay and that you would anoint your people to hear a word from the throne of grace. We need the anointing of God. We need the power of Almighty God to rest and to settle upon us. It's the Spirit of God Almighty that heals our bodies. It's the power of God that enables us to do the work that you've called us to do. So, Lord, in the mighty, mighty name of your Son, we pray that the anointing of God be in this place today, and we give you praise and glory and honor for all that you do in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Now do one more thing. Clap your hands to him. A man by the name of Arnold said, While life is good, I give. And he said, When it's good to give, I will give it. In other words, I'm not going to wait until I've got nothing left to give and try to give that to God, what I have left over. And how many times, and, and again, I'm not belittling whenever God comes into the life and the heart of somebody, it's a great day. But we need to give the best that we have to offer to God because God has given His best to us. And a lot of times we just kind of run through the motions of doing what we do for the Lord, and that's not good enough. It's, it's an awesome thing to be able to say that I've given the best that I have to God. Uh, I know that we've got some football fans here because about 40 of them that are not here this morning were in my house last night. One room had the Alabama group and the other room the Auburn. And I heard this story about this lady that loved Alabama so much that every year for about 50 years she and her husband would get two seats right on the 50-yard line and every year they attended that game. But this particular year, somebody that knew that they were there together every year uh, realized that she was there by herself. She had the two seats, but one was unoccupied. And he asked the woman, he said, you know, you, you always are here with your husband. She said, well, my husband passed away, and uh, so um, he couldn't be with me this year. And he said, well, you know, you still have the extra seat. Why didn't you give it to somebody? She said, well... I tried to give it to my son or my daughter, but they elected to go to the funeral rather than come to the game. 
That's terrible, isn't it? But sometimes we treat God that way. We, we take what we have left over to give to a God that were, is worth a whole lot more than that. And He's done more than that for us. So why wait until there's nothing left and our youth and our strength is shriveled up to nothing before we give everything that we have to God? The days of our lives are numbered by God Almighty. So young person, before you get too old, why don't you give God every energy that you have? Samuel... Saul, and go ahead and clap your hands to the Lord. Samuel, Saul, and David were all young men that God had chosen at an early and a young age. And I want to call your attention to some things about Saul before he was an older man, before he got into trouble and, and caused himself to be in a place of opposition with God. Notice the Bible talked about in 1 Samuel. We didn't read this but I'll back your attention up to chapter 9, verse number 2. He had looks. Young people, while you have looks, you ought to look for God. Here's what the Bible said. There was not among the children of Israel a good-looking person that was better looking than Saul. That, that's kind of Alabama way of putting it, but that's exactly what it meant. Saul was handsome. He was well-built. He was an obedient young man because verses 3 and 4 said that his father had sent him to seek the lost animals, the asses. And even though he was head and shoulders above everyone else, he wasn't too big to mind and obey his parents. Listen, we're, we're parents. I tell my two all the time, I'm still your dad whether you like it or not. And I'm going to be your dad. And I won't ever be too old to not be the father of my children. And there should always be enough respect for the elderly. You know, we live in a time when the elderly don't get the respect that they deserve. We may not be smarter, but we're older. <laughs> we may not be as good looking, and we may not be uh, uh, men and women of strength as we were at one time, but just because of age. You see, there was a time in America where age demanded respect, and it received respect from the younger, but it's not that way anymore, and it's not, even, it's not even addressed anymore. But at Solid Rock, at this church, we're going to talk about elderly getting respect. And, and, and we're going we're to leave the best places and the best parking spots and, and the best seats for the elderly. But I don't see that anymore. I see young people running. You know what? There have been some young people, and they're not here today. And they may be older now. I don't know. But I, I believe if you open those double doors, they would drive and park their truck right in the building. You know, just sitting like you were in a drive-in. But Saul was not like that. He was concerned for his parents. Verse number 5, he said, Come and let us return, lest my father... <laughs> leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. You know what? We've got, we've got young people now that will stay out all night and sometimes more than all night on in a few days and never worry about whether or not their parents are worried about them. And they'll tell you, well, I couldn't get a hold of you. That's baloney. You can get a hold of anybody now because you've got a phone hung on your ear and some of you are talking right now while I'm talking. So don't say you couldn't get a hold of somebody. We got plenty of ways of getting a hold of people. Saul didn't want his mother 
nor his father to worry about his safety. He was generous, according to verses 6 and 7, when his servant suggested that they consult a prophet, talking about the lost animals, Saul reminded him that he didn't have a gift to bring to the man of God. How many times do we forget nowadays to even think about the work of God and what's going on in God's kingdom, in God's business? Fifthly, he loved God. And we know that because verse 17 said that when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold the man, this same man shall reign over my people. So there are a lot of good things about Saul, but because of this, God saw fit to use him. And let me, let me give you a couple of things this morning about the anointing. He was separated, number one, separated by the anointing. The Bible said in verse number one that Samuel took the vial of oil and he poured it on the head of Saul. This was a sign that God had anointed him. According to the book of Exodus chapter 29, kings and priests were called out in this fashion and they were anointed for service. It is no different today. The anointing of God is what separates the men and women of God. We cannot do the work of God out of the strength of man. We don't have the, the ability. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have the education. We don't have the strength to do what God has called us to do outside of the anointing of God. When God chooses someone, He also anoints them. Now, we're going to talk about this anointing, and, and I'm going to end it differently. I'm going to talk about the downside in closing. But now watch this. In 1 John, the Bible said, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. The anointing of God abides within us. People know that you're anointed. You don't work like everybody else. Your ethics are not like everyone else. I'm going to grab all I can grab, and I'm going to do all as little as I can do to get back, just to get by and to keep my job. You know what the anointed person ought to do? The anointed man and woman of God will make everybody else, not because they're trying to, but the anointing will drive you to excel. It'll drive you to treat everybody better. It'll drive you to do the best job you can do. It'll cause you to want to be more than anybody else wants to be. And it's not just getting by. It's because you are anointed of God to do a job. And everybody sees that. Everybody senses that. And they pick up on that. And they wonder, why in the world are they driving themselves to be more than they have to be or to do more than they actually get paid to do? Because when you look at things in all actuality, the anointing of God will make you become a different person. It drives you to be better. Now watch it. There was a short period of time between the revelation of purpose to Saul and the pouring of the oil upon his head. Now, now what does all this mean when you talk about that? As soon as you know the will of God, you should be, become prepared. Get ready to be separated unto Him. When you got born again, God was calling you out, separating, bringing you into a place to where He could position you 
and get you in the, in, the, in the line of the lineage so that the anointing of God could fall mightily upon you. Now, now this is true when you think about salvation. It was God Almighty. The Bible said in Ephesians, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Ghost. Did you get that? When you got, when, when you got to a place to where you believe that, hey, I'm a candidate for, for salvation. I, I'm somebody that God will cleanse and cover with His blood. And the Word of God said the moment you believe that, that you are sealed with the Holy Ghost. In other words, you, you have a label placed on you that God Almighty said, this one belongs to me. He'll no longer be run of the mill. She'll no longer be status quo. She'll no longer, and he will no longer be the same person because this one has been separated unto Almighty God. Now, I'm not talking about walking around with your thumbs in your armpit and looking, you know, having a weird look, but I'm talking about just being yourself. And, and, and supernaturally, God begins to use and move upon you, and you do things you don't even realize you're doing. You say things that you don't even realize you're saying. You're driven to be the man or the woman of God the moment the seal of God is placed on you. Now, notice... Also, that there are promises that come along with, with the sealing of Almighty God. Samuel the prophet gave a threefold word of assurance to Saul. You want those? I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a good plan for getting by in the economy and the way things are right now. I'll give you a good plan right out of the Word of God that says you don't have to worry. It, it, it says you don't have to do anything but just be sealed of God and be used of God and anointed of God. Now, if you're going to walk and kick against the pricks, this may not apply to you, but if you want to be sealed by the Holy Ghost and be assured that God has already given you the assurance of making it, then here it is. There was a promise, number one, concerning his business. Somebody said, how do you see that? He was looking for the animals. That was a family business. They're lost. They cannot be found. Nobody can find them. But listen, when nobody knows where anything can be found, listen, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, knows exactly where what you need can be found. The Bible said in verse number 2, Two men shall say to you, The asses are found. You don't even have to find them. They're already found. Your word and concern and two men have already located by the anointing of God, by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Ghost, and you don't have to worry and you don't have to look any further. Secondly, there is a physical concern. Three men would give him two loaves of bread, verses 3 and 4. Somebody said, I don't know how we're going to make it. I do. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what you're going to put on because the Bible said God already has taken care of that. He said, I look after the fowls of the air. They don't build any barns. They don't sow. They don't, they, they don't go out and collect the, the harvest. He said, but the Father that is in heaven looks after them. And how much more are you to Him? He said, He's going to clothe, He's going to feed, and He's going to look after you. And then thirdly, 
concerning a spiritual need. Verse 6 said, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you're going to prophesy. Not only with them, but thou shalt be turned into another man. You talking about a turnaround for families? You talking about getting your families out of the mess they're in? You got to first of all get yourself aligned with the Word of God and connect with the anointing of God. And I can tell you without fear of ever being contradicted or ever being wrong that the anointing of God will do more in a moment with the click of your fingers than you can do in a lifetime. You've laid up all night praying for sons and daughters. You have wrung your hands until they're wrinkled and calloused over that son or that daughter. Let me tell you what the best thing you can do is be at your post. Don't, don't, don't make an excuse. Be where you belong. And God Almighty said, I'll take care of it. He said, you'll be turned into another man. you talking about a promise. God never calls and God never sends somebody into battle without equipping them. God has chosen and not only chosen, but He makes all things work together for good. Now there is a threefold assurance for victory for everybody chosen and anointed for Almighty God. There it is, right in the plan of God. Romans 8, 32 said, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? God is ready to bless His people. Then, then, then notice the charge by the grace of God. The charge of God that changes a man by the grace of God. You can't be as good as you are. You don't have the ability. You can't do all that you're doing. You don't have that ability. Somebody said, you know, you, you just do things that others may not do. And it's not because I always want to do it. But there's something, there's a charge that created a change that I cannot be what I used to be. I don't have to have a personal vendetta. I don't have to set the record straight. All I've got to do is just keep on walking it out and the anointing of God will cause me to walk through the valley and then step on the mountain peaks of glory. I don't have to worry about doing what only God Almighty can do. And, and, and with that said, that's not an easy thing to do. I don't have the ability. You don't have the ability. When somebody bothers you, you want to bother them back. At least nod your head. I know we're all from the same place. Some of you call it Young's Neck when you get on out here. Some of you call it Wheelerville a little further back. It doesn't matter what you call it. If you live in a body of flesh, if somebody uh, uh, wrongs you, you want to set the record straight. And I was no different. I love, as a matter of fact, there was a time when I almost loved trying to set the record straight. But that is not the will of God. When you become a new person, you don't have to worry about what God Almighty is going to deal with and take care of. As a matter of fact, some of you ought to get out of His way right now and let Him uh, uh, reinstate and set the record straight for you. Changed by the grace of God, God gave him another heart. You don't have the heart that you used to have. Some people might question the equality of all this regenerational stuff. But can I tell you that when the grace of God touches a man's heart, whether it was then, before the cross, or now looking back, then looking forward, now looking back, it doesn't matter 
when God Almighty touches the heart of a, of a man, it's still the grace of God that changes him. God gave him new motives and new desires. And this was what happened when the man got changed. And watch it, there was a sudden, unexpected revelation of God's purpose for his life. You see, I don't believe people uh, just kind of bumping around through life saying, well, I'm trying to find the will of God. I really don't want to do that because I, I want to do the will of God. You know, I, I, I want to find out what my call is. You want to know what your call is? It's to do whatever. When I got born again, when I got in church, I did anything that was there to be done. If it was cut the grass, work in the bus ministry, teach a class, we got people now, we've categorized the work of God. Now, I know that I'm called to preach, but I'll still cut the grass. I'll still ride on the bus. I'll still do whatever it takes, and, and that never will ever change. It should change, but it doesn't change. But we got people that have worn the pew too long. You need to find out exactly where the workload is and get involved. You don't have to wait to find out the will of God for your life. You start working, and you'll find the will of God. You'll find there's a new heart, a changed heart to do the work of God. Now, when this happened, he changed not only spiritually, but he changed morally. You see, you can't change spiritually and still be morally messed up. <laughs> Hello? Doesn't mean you don't live in a body of flesh, but you can't change spiritually without changing morally. We got people that want to be spiritual but morally, they still got all kind of junk going on. Well, you know, you just don't know. I still, you know, I, you don't, yeah, I, I know. I know I have to struggle with the same old flesh. And I have to crucify it on a regular daily basis. That's why you pray, go to church, read your Bible. And, 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 and so when you change spiritually, you change morally. Saul became another man, somebody different than he was before the revelation and the transformation took place. We, we want to be on the roll now, but we don't want to live any different. We want to be on the roll, and we don't want to act any differently. So we become a new creature, a new creation. Somebody said, well, it didn't work for so-and-so. Well, it might not have because he didn't believe it, but if he believes it, no man can stay the same after receiving the kingdom of God. It is impossible, and it isn't God's fault if you don't. It is a belief problem. If you don't have it, it's because you don't believe it, because the Bible said if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus and that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That isn't what I said. That's what God said. So one day I believed it, and the devil said, Well, you're no different. But I kept on believing and kept on believing and kept on believing and kept on proving the devil wrong and God right. And if you'll believe it, God will change you, make you a brand new individual. All things will pass away and all things will become brand new. Now go ahead and clap your hands to him. If the Word of God doesn't bring you to a new heart, then you need some more Word. Hello? You know what the problem is nowadays? We got people who don't need the Word. They don't need it. 
That's why we don't need Sunday school and we don't need Sunday night. And I know y'all get tired of hearing that. But we're going to have it because I need it. <laughs> if nobody else needs it, I need it. <laughs> if you don't believe it, ask Debbie. I need it. And if you, don't, if you don't believe it, you let me not have it a few times and you come around. Especially when I'm having a bad day. I need it. I need the Word of God. I need a reminder. I need something that keeps me moving in the right direction. And so if the gospel hadn't brought us to another heart, it's because of unbelief. The Word does not return void. It goes forth and it doesn't return void. The only thing that can hinder the Word of God is unbelief. Then notice the confirmation. I want to I wanna get you to, to, to where I can help you here. Verse number 9 said, All these signs came to pass. You know what? It's an awesome thing when the outward circumstances begin to confirm and conform to what is going on on the inside of a man. You know, if you just, if sometimes you just said, Well, I just don't know what happened. It just came out. Well, if it wasn't in there, it couldn't come out. If you're sealed with the Holy Ghost, there's something happening on the inside. The outside may feel like it's going to blow up and explode because I heard somebody say one time, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, I had a guy came to a tent revival and he told me, he said, I want to get the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues and fall out. I said, well, you ought to get saved first because you'd probably blow up if you got it like that. I don't want to get saved. I want to get the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues and fall out. You can't have the Holy Ghost unless there's a sanctified place for Him to come and, and abide in. There's got to be a place inside the, uh, of the man or the woman of God. So it's an awesome thing when the outward circumstances begin to confirm and conform to what is going on on the inner man. This is what the Bible said in Ezekiel, the appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of burl. And they four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was as it were on a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And then the Bible said, And when they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. In other words, they were on the straight and narrow. And as their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful. And their rings were full of eyes round and about, on every side. When God reveals His purpose and we are willingly ready to yield our lives to the fulfillment that, of that purpose, this is what happens. Miracles are all around. Miracles exploding from the inside out. When the bad uh, report comes, the inside man says, I've got another report. Don't worry. When the, when the doctor says that you've got terminal illness, the spiritual man, the spirit man on the inside said, don't worry out there, we've got it under control. There's something going on that's bringing a healing, a manifestation. When the, when, when the devil says, I've got your finances and I'm going to choke them until there's nothing left, that inner man said, I serve a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And all the gold and all the silver 
belongs to him. When the enemy says, I've got your family, and I'm going to rob, and I'm going to take, and I'm going to destroy them, there's an inner man that says, because I believe, because I believe, because I believe my son and my daughter and my family, my mom, my dad, my aunts, my uncles, my grandma, and my grandpa, everybody connected to me, they're going to be blessed because I've got a connection with a God that can make all things work together for good for those that are called according to His purpose. And then you're moved by the Spirit of God. Verse 10 and 11, the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied. You know what you begin to do? When, when, again, when the bad report comes, you spit the Word of God at it. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. And it continues to come. This is what happened in the upper room when the Spirit of God came and they moved signs and wonders and miracles begin to follow them. And the Bible said, and notice what they ask, is Saul also among the prophets? You know what they're asking? Is he also now saying what God is saying? You know what? It'd be a great day if people would quit publishing the, the, the filth and the dirt and the junk. It'd be a great day if people would let the church of God become the mouthpiece of Almighty God. But we're more, we're more drawn to, to, to drag up the garbage and get on the phone and get on the Internet or wherever now. eBay, I don't know what you put it on. I guess you'd sell it on there. And people would buy the garbage. But wouldn't it be a great day if they begin to say the house of God, there's bread there now. There, there's been a famine for some length of time. But I hear now there's bread in the house of Almighty God. There's healing in the house around the altar now. There's deliverance now around the altar of God. I can take the drug addict and he won't need counseling and he won't have to go through rehab because at the altar of God again, there's deliverance around the power and the anointing of Almighty God. And then verse 21 and 22 said that Saul humbled himself. Saul was taken and when they sought him, they could not find him. Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. This is what was said. As long as Saul was little and he hid himself, he was a man of God. He was everything that God had called and had anointed him to be. But it wasn't long before those things started fading. Look at verse number 27. And the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? There were those that despised him. But notice Saul, the Bible said Saul held his peace. He didn't even address the, the remarks. He didn't even come against the attitude. But I want you to see another chapter quickly before we dismiss in the life of Saul because you, you've heard the good news. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you the, 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 the I want to be real careful right here. I want to give you the downside of the anointing. And I don't want you to tune me out right now because I, I'm going to talk to you and let you hear what God Almighty is wanting to say to the Solid Rock Church. It's great to be anointed. Greatest thing that can ever happen. But notice, 
He was sent by God, talking about Samuel. He comes to the man of God, he anoints him. The anointing of Saul caused him to become another man. I'm not going to recap all of it. But listen, it, it, the Bible said, and I want you to see this. One of the reasons Saul was brought to the place where he was brought, I want you to get this now. Israel was never, it was never the intention of God for them to ever have a king other than Jehovah. Why did God give them a king? They kept asking for it. God, give us this. God, give us that. God, let, let me tell you something. If you keep asking, God will give it to you. And when you get it, you might find out that you don't want it. I know it's going to get a little quiet, but I, I want you to hear what, what God has had me up all night studying and thinking and praying about. If, if Israel wanted a king, God was the one to be their king. And it, and it grieved the heart of God that they cried out for a king. And so God said, okay, you can have a king, but here it is. The anointing of God causes us to become another man. Samuel was sent by God to anoint Paul, uh, King Saul. But now watch it. The first thing you run into over in chapter 15, and, and I want you to put these on the board, Kyle, real quick. I want you to see these. Chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. It's only five chapters, and here he is now. He's a different man, not the, not the same man. The word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, now watch it. I greatly regret that I have set Saul up as king, for he has turned his back from following me, and he has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night for King Saul. His, his anointing, his kingdom was taken away because of disobedience. You can write these down. I'm going to give you a couple. God said, I repent that I ever made him a king over my people. God can take his anointing away. He may never take away the gifts and the, and, and the things of God, the call of God, but the anointing of God can be lifted. Now watch it. Never let God say, I'm sorry that I called you to teach a class. Never let God say that I'm sorry that I let you have an anointing to sing my praises before my people. Never let God say that I am sorry that I put you in a pulpit and laid my stamp of approval on you and I anointed you. And, this, and the list goes on and on. Don't ever let God say that, that I will no longer anoint your head with oil. Don't ever let God say, I'll never lead you beside the still water. And I'm talking to solid rock right now because all day yesterday and all night, God said, I've laid a great anointing on this church and it's been mishandled and it's been misused. I anointed this church and I called them when they were nobody and they were nobody in the eyes of themselves. I lifted them up. I pulled them up out of the mire and the muck and I made them a church and I established them and I put my name upon them and I was a God that anointed them greatly and now I can see that we struggle to get under the anointing and we struggle when we get up to try to be used of God and somebody said well how do you, how do you realize and how do you figure it out when you become disobedient God said I regret that I ever placed my anointing on you But when you were nobody and you followed me and you craved to just have a place 
Nobody didn't have to know who you were. And nobody had to pay you. And nobody had to wind you up. And nobody had to get you and beg you to do what God had anointed you to do. God said, I can use that. But the moment you said, I will not, I'm better than that. I deserve better than that. No, we don't. We didn't get what we deserve. Grace gave us what we didn't deserve. Mercy kept us from having what we do deserve. So don't ever ask God to give you what you deserve because you nor I don't want it. Are you still with me? Because it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. So don't clap yet. Never let God say, I'm sorry that I led you beside the still waters. You know what? When God led the children of Israel up out of the Egyptian bondage, their clothes didn't grow, grow old. Don't ever let God say, your, your clothes won't wear out and your shoes won't wear out. What he's saying is that I'll clothe you and you'll walk in my glory and in my honor and it will not be as others. You'll walk around and you'll look better and you'll act better and you'll be better than the run of the mill, the average Joe because of the anointing of God. Don't ever let God say that I'm sorry because of your complaining and your disobedience that I anointed your clothes and they don't grow old on your body. Don't ever let God say I'm sorry that I rained manna from heaven down. It fell in your lap and I fed you. And I allowed the cloud by day and the pillow of fire by night to lead you and guide and protect you. Never let God say that he that, that, that we have misused his gifts to bring personal gain. Because anymore, anymore church is about big business. Well, how much can I get? Well, I know how much you don't want. I don't know how much you can get, but I know how much you don't want. I don't want to bust hell wide open and sing my song or preach my sermon in hell. And I don't want to bust hell wide open and say, we need a Sunday school class now. I never went, but I'll teach one. And it's too late because the anointing doesn't exist there. But the craving will be there. Now watch it. Gehazi disobeyed God. He was a man in line for a double portion. And he went after the gift. He ran after the money. And you know what? God said, you can get the money, but you won't like it. Because it'll be quickly spent, and you're going to have the leprosy that you receive the money for. You know what's wrong with the church right now? You know what's wrong with the church world? We've got the leprosy that the money buys. Come on, church. I know this is tough. It's, it's tough to lay up and, and, and let the Lord talk to you like that and tell you what's going to happen if it doesn't turn around. It's a, it, this, is a, this is tough, but this is where we are. You want leprosy? God said, I'll fill your buildings with leprosy. You can have the money, but the money will be gone one day, but the leprosy is going to hang on. You can't get rid of the leprosy. 
You can get rid of the money, but you can't get rid of the sin that takes the Holy Ghost to rid us of sin. And you know what? We want to sleep together. We want to call ourselves common law man and wife and, 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 and lead in praise and worship and lead in the household of faith. And we want to have all these, these things going on in our lives. And we want to come in like we're somebody that can lead somebody out. And God said, there is leprosy in my house. And I'm going to rid my house of the leprosy. It's a serious thing for God to take his anointing from us. You'll wander in the wilderness hopelessly without God's anointing. God doesn't anoint us for us to be the beneficiary. This anointing is not for personal gain. Gehazi went after the money, and Elisha said, I saw you when you went after the carnal gift. To have God's anointing, you've got to follow the instructions of God. He said, unto whom much is given, much is required. I am sick up to here with people that think they're worth more than the... You, you, know, what a, you know what an ingrate is? It's somebody that thinks they're worth more than what they ever get. doesn't matter what it is an ungrateful person but you know what a grateful person will do a grateful man and a grateful woman will be at their post and they'll say God use me any way you see fit use me if you prefer my brother I prefer my brother if you use me God I'll stand in line I'll stand in the, on the back road and I'll take a back seat just use me one day Father and then the second thing that Saul went through and you can write it down is denial the church is in denial. Saul said to Samuel, I've done all that God required. I've done it all. Come on, bring us up to another verse. When, Saul, when Samuel rose early in the morning to, to, to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal to do what only a prophet can do. Run it on up. And then Samuel went to Saul and said unto him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. That's Saul's response to Samuel. But Samuel said, Then what is that bleeding of the sheep in my ears? And what is that lowing? of the oxen that I hear. If you've done everything God's told you to do, why am I hearing the sheep and the cattle, the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the cattle? Why am I hearing this? Now watch it. Saul said to Samuel, I've done all. Too many of God's people are living in denial. I'm doing it all. You, I'm doing all I can do. That's denial. You just don't know. No, I don't. But you don't know either. We are living in denial when, they, when there could be a revival in the city of Mobile, Alabama. And this place could be filled with every other building filled and people building buildings for the lost. We are sitting in denial and saying we've done everything we can do. No, we haven't. You need to live right. Quit playing with God. Quit blaming everybody else. Saul blamed the people. If you don't serve God and live right and pay your tithe, it's not anybody else's fault. 
If you don't do what you're called to do, it's no one else's fault. If this morning you're not living right, you need to quit lying, you need to quit living in denial, and you need to get right with Almighty God. Don't chance missing heaven for anybody. Now, you're ready for the last one. It's going to get a little worse, but can you take it? Can you take one more? Self-righteousness. God hates pride. He hates a proud look. Have you ever been around people who try to look humble? Humility is not a look. That's stupidity. Well, you know, poor me. I'm humble. That's stupid. That ain't, that's not humility. That's stupidity. Humility is having the world and living like you know that God Almighty is the one that caused it and created it and caused all these things to happen among us. And to stand back in the crowd. Stand back. My God, I, I, I see times when it looks like we're going to all fall off this platform. Here we are. Well, get out of my way. Humility is to know that God Almighty is doing everything through you and you're not capable and you're not responsible and you're not able to do what only God can do through you. As a matter of fact, when you think about it, I believe God wants His people to look like they're somebody. When we are in the presence of God, we ought to square our shoulders and say we're in the presence of our King. But I'm not trying to take the King's place. I'm just trying to be here and say, King God, King Jesus, I am in Your presence. And I'm thankful that I am in the presence of God Almighty. Stand with me this morning. Ain't much to clap about, I know it. But if you want to fix it, I know how to fix it. And I'm going to be the first one that, to start fixing. I'm not calling the altar and, and laying anybody, anybody laying hands on you. But if you want to fix it, we'll take about a minute or two and just a talk with Jesus, just a trip down to an old-fashioned altar is a place where it can be remedied. So if you want to fix wherever you are, whatever you've done right or wrong, and you want to change, here it is. Come on in the name of Jesus. I'm going to find me a place. I know we don't have the, the, the benches we call altar, but if you can find yourself a place at your pew or here or anywhere else, would you just do this? Would you say, Lord, God, would you give me another chance? God, would you give me one more opportunity? I don't want to die lost. I don't want to lose my family. I don't want to lose my friends and my relatives. But God, I want to be in the place of your perfect, perfect will. Can we pray this together? Donnie, lead us in something. Just something real quick. Because we're, we're going to dismiss. And I want you to come back tonight. I won't be here tonight. Not because I'm going to celebrate Labor Day, but I, I'm going to preach a revival. And I've asked Brother John Watkins to preach tonight, and I'm going to ask my sister Janice to preach Thursday night. And I want this building filled up. 
I want you to get busy. Use the anointing of God today and fill the house up tonight. Use the anointing of God all week. Fill the building up. And when I come back, you know what I'd like to come back to? Somebody saying, you know what? You ought to leave more often. You ought to be gone a little more often because they're getting saved. Souls are coming in. And we're going to have to build a building. Come on, let's pray. Now, y'all don't think I'm mad at you. You all do you. I'm not mad at anybody but the devil. But I am mad at the devil. I'm tired of the devil having his way. And I'm ready for Solid Rock to get that anointing that belongs to them back on them. And I want to see us take our city in the name of Jesus.